We continue on with our top five lists from spring practice on what we learned. Top five freshmen that stood out this past spring practice, plus Twitter Tuesday and Ben McKee. All that and more here on a Tuesday Locked On Ball. You are Locked On Balls, your daily podcast on the Tennessee Volunteers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey everybody, welcome into your Tuesday edition of Locked On Vols. It is your team every single day, and of course we're talking Tennessee Volunteers every single day. I'm Eric Kane. welcome to the show, at underscore Kaner on Twitter, at Locked On Vols. That's where you can find us. We will get into Twitter Tuesday content in segment number two. Your questions, your comments, your concerns, we voice them right here every Tuesday on Locked On Vols. But we'll go through top five freshmen, and then we'll talk a little baseball to end the show. All that and more here on a Tuesday, Locked On Vols. I do radio in Knoxville, Tennessee at 99.1 The Sports Animal, and I write for the rival site. That's FallQuest.com. Of course, I am uh, your host here on Locked On Balls. If you're new to the show, appreciate it. This is your first listen regarding Tennessee athletics each and every day. Top five freshmen that stood out to me for 2022 spring football practice for the Tennessee Volunteers. We will go in descending order. These aren't the only freshmen that stood out. There were a couple other freshmen that had their name dropped throughout the spring practice session. But I'll go ahead and I will start at number five, and it's a linebacker by the name of Elijah Herring. Uh, he has put on some really, really good weight since coming to uh, campus in January. He's a guy that was Tennessee's first commit for Josh Heupel as Tennessee's head coach. April, sometime in April, early April, uh, he jumped in the boat. He was Tennessee's first commit, and I think Tennessee liked him. But I'm not going to lie to you, I think Tennessee wanted to get Elijah Herring, or excuse me, Caleb Herring, which is his brother, who Tennessee is trying to recruit right now and who's in uh, pretty good standing with right now. Um, nonetheless, they really started to fall in love with him over the summer months, and they like him a lot. They think he's a guy that has the potential to you know, maybe crack a do- a too deep as a true freshman, will definitely contribute on special teams. He's a guy that has put on probably 20 to 25 pounds since arriving on campus. He looks the part, and Tennessee at a position that has you know, gotten better in terms of depth, and he's a reason why. He's a guy that I think he can push for you know, maybe to you know, spell time, come in and, and you know, give Jeremy Banks a, a breather, Aaron Beasley a breather, Juwan Mitchell a breather, whoever the case may be. Elijah Herring is a guy that has stood out to me so far uh, this spring practice, or in spring practice, as it's over now. And uh, he's kind of where we start our list. So Elijah Herring would be at number five. Number four, let's go Tyree West. I think Tyree West is going to be a good, good player here at Tennessee. Remember, he was one of three big signing day gets for Tennessee back on National Signing Day in December. It was him, Justin William Thomas, who will appear later in this list, and James Pierce, who was not on campus right now. Tyree West, a longtime commitment for uh, Georgia. He was a top 100 player per rivals, a four-star, highly regarded four-star. And he's going to play that five technique, that traditional defensive end type role. He'll be the the backup likely this year for uh, Tyler Barron. But I think he's going to get some snaps. Granted, it was one scrimmage that we got to see all the way through. And uh, he was going up against a lot of fellow freshman offensive linemen, but he looked really, really good. You know, controlled the line of scrimmage. Um, he had a, a sack that I saw. He jumped up and batted a, a pass up into the air that was later picked off for a pick six. Heard good things about Tyree West, and I think he's a guy that will see some snaps this fall. And so at number four, he's a guy that stood out to me in spring practice. We'll move on. Number three, Taven Jackson, the quarterback. He's a guy that if all goes right, you're not going to see him whatsoever this fall. In fact, you don't want to see him this fall, right? Because if that's the case, something happened to Hendon Hooker. That's not good. Uh, Something could have happened to Joe Milton or Joe Milton just, yeah, you got to bench him again. 
That's never good. You don't want to see Taven Jackson. Tennessee's been in positions the last couple years to where they've had to play too many true freshmen at quarterback, or they've held on so long, and then once you put them in, the you know the fan base has two uh, unrealistic expectations for these true freshmen. Now, he's not Nico Imaliava, who's coming in next year. Of course, he will have all the expectations. He'll have the weight of the world on his hands, um, or on his shoulders, rather, the five-star you know, coming in from um, you know from California, but David Jackson's the quarterback of this class. He had a really really good spring. I felt like his feet were good. I think he's got good athleticism. He's got a good frame. He's bigger in person when you see him out there. I think he threw the ball very very well. Um, but I think the most most importantly for him was he was able to sit back and watch and see how you know Hendon Hooker operates in the system and kind of learn from him. And and that will continue to be the case throughout the fall camp throughout. Uh, hopefully the the entire you know season here in 2022. I thought he looked good. Sure, the the scrimmage that we got to see, he made some mistakes, and that's fine. Super athletic, but I think he's going to be a player that can play well um, at this level. So Taven Jackson, the quarterback, would come in at number three. We continue to move down the list at number two, Justin Williams Thomas, the running back. Uh, one of those other big signing day gets that I mentioned, along with Tyree West and James Pierce. So for Justin Williams-Thomas, it's not that he flashed and looked great this spring. In fact, I think he struggled a little bit, but that's important in his progression. I'm projecting Justin Williams-Thomas to be the 1B to the 1A of Jabari Small this fall. Yes, I know Jalen Wright's in this conversation, and I think he had a really nice spring. I think that he ran the ball well in the scrimmage that I saw. I think that he has put on some good weight. He looks bigger. He looks more uh, ready for SEC play. He got a whole lot of playing time as a true freshman. But Justin Williams walked into campus as a true freshman early enrollee looking like an SEC back. He's just got to learn it, right? He's got to learn the pass protections. That's where I think that I noticed a couple of times in watching those drills and in watching the scrimmage. That's something that he really, really struggled with. And that's also something that I believe Josh Heupel and Alex Golish and Jerry Mack spoke on, and that's you know something for him that he's going to have to progress through. And that's okay, right? I mean, it takes development. And uh, again, this is a guy that still should be in high school right now. But Justin Williams-Thomas looks the part. He's freakishly athletic. He's fast. He's tough. He finishes runs hard. I think this spring, though, you know, he he wasn't horrible, but he wasn't an all-star this spring. And again, that's okay. I think it was important for him to go through that, to know what he's expecting come fall camp, and then contend for, you know, that two-deep spot. I mean, Tennessee's going to be running back by committee. It truly, truly will be, whether it be, Jabari Small, Justin Williams-Thomas, Jalen Wright, Laneith Whitehead, maybe Dylan uh, Sampson when he gets in here. Um, Tennessee's going to be running back by committee. I truly, you know, really do believe that. But I think Justin Williams-Thomas could be one of the best ones in the room. He's probably, you know, athletically gifted. He's probably the best one in the room already. But you got to learn how to play at this level. So Justin Williams-Thomas, for a lot of those reasons, would be at number two for me. And then number one, of course, you heard his name probably a hundred times, it is Squirrel White. Martavius White, the four-star wide receiver from Alabama. Georgia came calling late, but Tennessee was able to hold on to him. He weighs 154 pounds right now. You can't play in the Southeastern Conference weighing 154 pounds. You just can't, right? Um, But he really came on and played well this spring. Whether he has a role and you know a four or five wide receiver set, whether he gets some subs in there, the slot receiver, whether he's returning kicks, I don't know what the case may be, but I think he's a guy that's positioned himself and proved uh, to the coaching staff and proved to the other players this t- on this team this spring that he's a guy that can play at this level. It's just about, again, a lot like these other guys on the list, maturing, developing, putting on good weight in the weight room, not losing any speed, all that type of stuff. 
because he is too small to play right now, but he can absolutely fly. We heard his name being called by other players, by quarterbacks, by by coaches, by Kelsey Pope, by Alex Golish, by Josh Heibel, all those guys. He had a very, very, very good spring. So Macquarius White, Squirrel White, was the top um, attention getter for this freshman class of early enrollees here in spring practice. So in review, number five, it was Elijah Herring, the linebacker. Number four, Tyree West, the defensive lineman. Number three, Taven Jackson, the quarterback. Number two, Justin Williams-Thomas, the running back. And number one, Squirrel White, the wide receiver. Um, all those four guys could have roles for this team. You know, Taven Jackson will be competing with Joe Milton for a backup role at quarterback, though I think Joe Milton will hang on to that. But all four of these guys will be competing for roles as true freshmen. And from there, we'll have to see what the role is and if it can expand as the season goes on. Twitter Tuesday, that's coming up next year when we come back on Locked On Balls. But I want to tell you about Bet Online. It's the number one source for all your sports stats and sports information. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs and the start of Major League Baseball season. BetOnline.net is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs to esports and, heck, even reality television. Head on over to the website today. Check it out for yourself. See everything they have to offer. You can do it on your mobile device, too. But there you can learn about all the latest trends and all the action. Get your futures bets in. You know, again, Major League Baseball season started. You can play a game every single night. The NBA playoffs are happening right now. I want you to put your sports knowledge to use. Put some coin in your pocket. You can do all that at BetOnline.net. BetOnline, it is where the game starts. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome back into Locked On Vols, your Tuesday edition right here on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, um, wherever you're listening to podcasts. Every single morning when you wake up, it's your Tennessee Volunteers podcast. I want to remind you guys about what's coming up here. Starting Thursday, April 28th, you can tune in to the Locked On NFL Drafts live coverage of the 2022 NFL Draft, all three days of real-time analysis from an extensive lineup of experts and insiders. And for those of you dying to know about who your team's going to take, go ahead and catch Odyssey and Locked On's NFL Mock Draft Special. That's going to be hosted by Brian Peacock and former scout Matt Williamson of Peacock and Williamson's NFL Show all week leading up to the first pick. So that's on the Locked On NFL Draft Live, Locked On NFL Draft YouTube pages where you can find that. Odyssey NFL Mock Draft, that's on the Odyssey and Locked On NFL Draft podcast feeds. That Draft Live special, of course, it's round one first pick, April 28th, 7 o'clock, all the way through April 29th at 6.30, April 30th at noon Eastern as well. And the Odyssey NFL Mock Draft, if you want to check that out, it's on April 28th, 22nd, and 25th. Tons and tons of coverage leading you into the NFL Draft. And, hey, we'll find out where some VFLs will be headed to. So at that time of the year, just a couple of you know, really less than two weeks away. All right, time for Twitter Tuesday, guys. As always, I do appreciate you for getting in your Twitter Tuesday questions. You know, whatever you got, we'll head on over to my Facebook page. You can also find me on Facebook 
I have not been doing a good job of posting my content there here lately, but it's Caner on Air is where my Facebook page is. Uh, this is from Eric with Casper committed to Oregon, uh, who was the most realistic wide receiver options that's not named Carnell Tate. Of course, Carnell Tate is the five-star uh, wide receiver from IMG Academy. Tennessee is very much in on. It was Carnell Tate and Kyler Casper, kind of a 1A, 1B situation. It was Realistically, it was never probably going to be both of them, but... Those were the two top options. And then you kind of have tiers in terms of wide receivers from here on out. Um, the next tier would probably be, <clears throat> excuse me, would likely be Noah Rogers from uh, North Carolina. He's a guy that Tennessee really, really likes. Then you work into the Devin Hyatt's, Jalen Hyatt's younger brother. Then you work into the um, uh, Justin Brown from Middle Tennessee. Tennessee likes him as well. A new name that's emerged in terms of a guy that Tennessee likes, Nathan Leacock a three-star wide receiver from Raleigh, North Carolina. Uh, he was on campus last week watching Tennessee scrimmage on Thursday, so he's a new name that's kind of emerging as well. So, you know, Carnell Tate, Kyler Casper out of the boat now. You starts with Carnell Tate. You've got Noah Rogers. you got Justin Brown, Devin Hyatt, and uh, Nathan Leacock. Those, that's kind of the big board for wide receivers now uh, with Kyler Casper or Kyler Casper reclassifying and joining Oregon's class. Uh, we move on. We'll go to hitter 94. He wants to know there's been talk about Tennessee adding another running back from the portal and even reported that the staff really likes Mar Marquise Irving, the back out of Minnesota. Is this a position that we pursue this summer? So I did a nice job. Well, let me just pat myself on the back, I guess. I did. I, did, I broke down kind of that running back room and last segment when we were talking about Justin Williams Thomas. Uh, here's the thing. This is what I look about. This is what I think about the running back spot. If there is a guy that's available, a veteran that has multiple years left that can play in college ball, if it makes sense, then I think Tennessee would make a run at it, right? I would not believe that Tennessee's number one priority would be running back this offseason in the transfer portal. You've got to bring in a wide receiver, which Tennessee is heavily involved with Brew McCoy. You've got to bring in probably a defensive lineman. If there's a guy in the secondary that works out, bring in another one of those. Um, and then maybe offensive tackle. You know, offensive tackle was uh, one of high priority, but with J.J. Crawford and Gerald Mincy, you think you might you know be good enough regardless of you know whichever one plays heading into fall. So running back would kind of be right there for me as well. You're seeing other priorities moving up, and I think that if there's one that makes sense, then absolutely. This will be a running back by committee group. Jabari Small has proven that he cannot stay healthy from one game to the next. He's really good talent when he's in there, right? But he just can't stay healthy. I think Justin Williams-Thomas will be a nice 1B to that situation. I think Jalen Wright's put on some weight. He looks more like a running back at this level. I think Lenith Whitehead's got a lot to say about that, especially I can see Lenith Whitehead maybe being a short-yarded situational type back or maybe a third down back because he's in there because he can pass block, right? Um, and then Dylan Sampson will come in as well. I think all those guys will play some, but I think it'll be headed up by Jabari Small, of course, and you know Jalen Wright and or Justin Williams-Thomas. So, if one makes sense, everybody's shouting out Eric Gray, I get all that. But if one makes sense, then I think they'd bring one in, but that's not the, the top of the priority list in uh, in my opinion. We'll move on. We got uh, K. Wayne, 1800. Uh, we know the Vols are looking to hit the transfer market now with spring practice over. Other than Brew McCoy, what are some other names in the portal to watch that Tennessee might be interested in? Or are they just playing it in slow waiting on new players into the portal? I think it's more of the latter. Um, if you were to tell me right now who were some who were some players in the portal that Tennessee's evaluating, I, I, outside of Brew McCoy, I couldn't really tell you because again, 
you know, people can enter the transfer portal whenever, but you've got a new wave coming in. Everybody that's in the portal right now, for the most part, has been there for quite some time, right? Uh, Brew McCoy has been in the portal for quite some time, and he's the number one target, of course. But you're about to see a new wave of, you know, you've already seen a couple of them already this week as spring practices continue to wrap up. And so I do think it's more of the latter. I think it's a wait-and-see approach. Tennessee has a dedicated off-the-field staff that are evaluating everybody that goes in the portal. They know everybody who's in the portal. They've made cut-ups, and they've talked about it as a staff and all that. And so when more and more people enter the portal, then you'll start to see some interest. Like if a defensive back you know, enters the portal tomorrow, Tennessee will evaluate that guy, see which positions he can play. And if he's a guy that's got multiple years left or a guy that can come and plug and play right now, then they'll likely try to bring him in. Same with wide receiver, same with all these other positions. So I think it's more of a kind of a wait-and-see approach more than anything kind of in, in my opinion. All right, we will move on to Braden. Just a couple more left here on this edition of Twitter Tuesday. Who do you see as the front runner to be the complimentary back to Jabari Small? Wow, it's weird. I should have read these before because I've already talked about this a couple of times. And are you personally concerned with the guys that are missing spring practice due to injury? Uh, Braden, great question, man. I'll continue on. I think personally it'll be uh, it'll be Justin Williams-Thomas. He is built like an SEC running back right now. Um, he's got a lot to learn. Got to learn how to pass block. Got to learn how to run between the tackles at this league. Uh, got to learn how to, to do a number of things, and that's okay, you know, in terms of development, and that, that's normal. But he is built like a back right now that can play at this level. Once he learns how to pass protect, I think he could be really, really good. But again, in saying that, I think Jalen Wright has put on some weight, and he's had a really good offseason. I think Lenith Whitehead's going to have a role as well. Um, Jerry Mack is very big in the belief that this will be running back by committee, but my answer would be Justin Williams-Thomas. Um, are you personally concerned about all the guys that are missing spring practice due to injury? No, I'm not. Um, so I don't know the specifics for everybody, but like Brandon Turnage, he missed the he missed the uh, the bowl game because he had a knee cleanup. That's what this is stemming from as well. You know, off season surgeries. That's normal. Uh, Kamal Haddon, you know, he had, was having shoulder issues during the bowl game as well. So you know, that's kind of stemming from that as well. So Kamal Haddon, I'm not worried about that at all. Uh, Danico Slaughter, I'm not really sure, you know, what happened with him. He started spring practice and then missed the last two weeks after getting banged up. Uh, Deshaun Rucker, I'm not sure what the situation is there, but I think if he could be out there, he would have. Warren Burrell was there every single day. He just wasn't dressed out. And, and like with Warren Burrell, I know that he's kind of the punchline to all the jokes right now, and deservingly so. He did he did not finish off the season off strong whatsoever, but he's played football. He's played a ton of football before, like. You know, Tim Banks even kind of said it to open up spring practice. He's like, hey, I know what I have in Warren Burrell, right? Um, this time last year, I didn't know what I had in any of these guys, but I know what I have in Warren Burrell. So I'm not worried about all those quarterbacks. I mean, it was a lot of them. You'd rather them be in spring practice and be, you know, working and trying to get better than not, obviously. But I'm not too worried about that at all. You know, some other guys, William Mohan's expected to be back. Um, let's see here. He missed a linebacker. I'm trying to think of, like, you know, Jabari Small. Cedric Tillman, Princeton Fant, all those guys were held out for precautionary reasons in spring. Like they practiced some, but they were they were held out some as well. Like I'm not worried about that. Dane Davis looks like he's a little banged up on his uh on his ankle there. That shouldn't be too big of an issue. Gerald Mincy was banged up a little bit, but he finished off spring practice. So I'm not too concerned whatsoever. Um, you know, football is a contact sport, and the offseason is where you get better. So I think a lot of that is kind of what it was there. All right, last one. We'll go to Jacob Estrada. Uh, with Kyler Casper going to Oregon, do you think Nico and the staff are able to pull in Carnell Tate? Also, do you see a strong push for Devin Hyatt now? 
So yeah, more on this wide receiver conversation. Obviously, the number one priority now is Carnell Tate for sure. It was a 1A, 1B situation, or maybe a 1A, 1A situation with him and Kyler Casper. It was never going to be both of them. It was going to be one or the other. So now you think all the chips would go you know, into the center of the table for for a, a Carnell Tate, a five-star wide receiver. He's got a lot of pull up there in the north. Notre Dame's in that conversation. Ohio State's in that conversation. So Tennessee, it... I think it would have been easier to get Kyle Casper to, to be completely honest with you, but you know we'll have to see. Uh, Devin Hyatt's a guy, in my opinion, he's always been. I kind of had these tiers, and I think I explained it on one of the episodes last week when I went over the recruiting board of wide receiver. You know, Devin Hyatt was kind of in that tier two. Um, I would think that maybe he moves up now to tier one in terms of priorities because Kyler Casper has gone to Oregon. So. I think the staff likes Devin Hyatt. I just think that they like Carnell Tate, Noah Rogers, and um, and Kyler Casper a lot more. But you know, Devin Hyatt's there along with Justin Brown, Shamar Porter, and now Nathan Leacock, who's who's kind of the new name that's emerging. But I do think Devin Hyatt's name probably does move up now. And obviously, it's a it's a great fit. You know, the family loves Tennessee because Jalen's here. Jalen is completely bought in. I think he would be a good mentor, obviously, for his younger brother Devin. He's got a lot of potential there. So if Tennessee ends up with Devin Hyde, I think that's that, that, that's a good you know haul to bring in. But he was, in my opinion, down on the list a little bit, but I think he moves up now. Guys, thank you so much for your Twitter Tuesday uh, questions and comments and, and all, all that. I really, really do appreciate it. Anything you guys have uh, all, all week long, I'll bookmark them, I'll save them, and I'll bring them out every single Tuesday here on Locked On Balls. We're going to finish off this episode talking a little baseball with Ben McKee, Tennessee, a series win over Alabama, but how costly was it? Chase Dolander will get an update there, Tennessee's number two starting pitcher, and of course, Tony Vitello and Frank Anderson suspended. All that and more coming up when Locked On Balls returns with Ben McKee here in just a moment. Just a couple of minutes left here on this Tuesday edition of Locked on Vols. Thanks so much for joining me here today. And as promised, we'll talk a little baseball here in segment three. And you know, he's the guy that I call the Adam Schefter of Tennessee baseball. Uh, he is Ben McKee of VolQuest.com. Ben, a fun, fun weekend for Tennessee baseball in uh, several different areas. <laughs> that is uh, one way to put it, Eric. Hope you're doing well. It was definitely a, a fun weekend, a, a weekend that, didn't look like it was going to go all that well, losing Friday night to Alabama 6-3, to and then you come back on Saturday night, and Tony Vitello, Frank Anderson, they're ejected in the first inning. Chase Dolander has to leave the game due to injury. But when you encompass all of the circumstances, uh, those that I just mentioned, on top of losing Tuesday to Tennessee Tech at Smoky Stadium, and there were some frustrations within that game because they were unsuccessful, the the most impressive performance of the season, the the most impressive weekend of the season to this point in my in my opinion by Tennessee baseball to come back from all of those circumstances and just really beat down Alabama over the next two days. We'll get to the fun stuff here in a minute with Jeffrey uh, and Macias, uh, the third base umpire, and all that, the home plate umpire for Friday night's game. Uh, but w- what's the latest here with Chase Dolander? Scary scene there. Uh, could not finish the game on Saturday. That led to the the fireworks going off. Obviously, one of the best pitchers in the SEC this year, the strikeout leader. Uh, for him to miss some time, that's a big deal for Tennessee. What's the latest there with Tennessee's number two starter? Yeah, he's he's going to miss some time, but it's not going to be a whole lot of time. It, it doesn't seem uh, much better than they initially anticipated. The fear was that he had fractured his pitching elbow uh, off of the line drive that struck him. That, that was the initial fear. Had an MRI 
no breaks or anything. And he's just dealing with some soreness and dealing with some swelling. So uh, he's going to have to manage the swelling and manage the soreness. And you would expect for him to miss at least a start, if not two. Uh, but the way it was described to me is that he'll be back as soon as possible. So obviously what led to, again, the fireworks, Frank Anderson comes out. Uh, he's John. He gets run. Tony Vitello comes out. He's John. He gets run. He bumps the third base umpire. We, we spent you know a lot of time talking about this on yesterday's show. Bottom line, into the world, absolutely not. Can you can you ever make contact with an official an umpire? No, you cannot. Um, what was your take on all that? And I kind of laid the the foundation of it yesterday about what all went into this, but there was some background and all that. What what was your take on that whole situation? And obviously the way Tennessee responded with Josh E. Lander and Ricky Martinez. They did a heck of a job. Yeah, Frank Anderson was mad about something even before he got ejected. If if you were in person, you could see him jawing from the Tennessee dugout. It seemed like he was very frustrated with things that were coming out of the Alabama dugout, whether that be things that were being said or uh, potentially stealing signs and the, the coaches relaying it to the players or the hitters in this case. and. And and then if that were the case, the, the hitter strokes one off of Chase Dolander's elbow that could end the season. It just sent Frank Anderson into a rage. And that was the deal with Frank Anderson. Whereas with Tony Vitello, it, it was more of a buildup with Jeffrey Macias. Uh, Jeffrey Macias was on the crew last year. Wasn't the one that threw out Ross Kivett in Omaha in the Texas game, but was on the crew, somewhat of a history. Macias was the home plate umpire Friday night when Tennessee lost to Alabama and he just did not have a good night at the plate, missed a ton of calls, both going against Tennessee and going against Alabama. At least he was consistent, if if you want to say that. But there was some frustration from Omaha, frustration from Friday night, and it just kind of boiled over into Saturday. Tony was talking and talking and talking with Jeffrey Macias, and it just reached a boiling point. I don't know if something was said, a magical word was said, but – I think that's where Tony Vitello's frustration stemmed from. There was a history there. It boiled over. And so after the first inning, you're without Chase Dolander, Tony Vitello, and Frank Anderson, three very important pieces to this year's Tennessee baseball team. And because of the culture that Tony and his coaching staff has built, it didn't matter, which is remarkable. And you have to give Josh Elander a ton of credit. He's the, a future head coach. He'll probably be a head coach next season somewhere at, at a pretty prominent school, if I had to say. And they didn't miss a beat. They, they went on to, to beat down Alabama pretty good, as I mentioned, outscoring Alabama 24-6 to on, on Saturday and Sunday after dropping game one. Something you did so well on the Diamond Vols podcast that was posted last night. Everybody go check it out if you want an hour's worth of baseball talk, even more than this eight-minute interview. Uh, go check it out there, Diamond Vols podcast. It's on uh, BallQuest.com, that feed. Uh, still in the Swain event feed? Is it still there? Yes. Okay, good, good deal. We can we can check it out there. But uh, Chase Burns, second consecutive outing. It's it's been rough. It's been it's struggling a little bit. Quickly, the the biggest concern there with Chase Burns. Also, baseball has a way of working itself out. You have Blake Tidwell that can just likely, if needed, which we'll have to see what happens. You know, with with Dolander and obviously Burns. I mean, Tidwell's right there that he can step in and resume his spot from last year, and that's that's a great thing. Yes, the, the timing works out well. Uh, even Friday night after the game with some Thursday, Friday, Saturday series coming up in the month of May, 
Tony Vitello admitted that the coaching staff had already thrown out the idea of maybe tinkering with the rotation at that point and allowing Blake Tidwell to a throw in, in one of those games in those series. And the timing works with maybe Chase Dolander going down to injury. would be hard to view him pitching this weekend at Florida. And it's funny how sports always have a thing, have a way of working things out. So yeah. you've got the Dolander situation that Tidwell can handle in the meantime. But as you alluded to, Chase Burns has really struggled his last two outings. And that could also lead to Blake Tidwell having an opening in the rotation as well when when Chase Dolander does eventually come back because you're not going to mess with Drew Beam and the way he is pitching. But there's two two things that stand out to me right now in terms of Chase Burns' struggles. A, his velocity has been down the last two outings, and, and that's never a good sign. Doesn't appear to be dealing with an injury, uh, but something to keep an eye on in terms of the velo being down the last two outings. And then he's really struggling to throw a third pitch. Hitters throw a third pitch consistently, I should say. Hitters are, are laying off the slider. They're sitting on the fastball. And there's not that third pitch that he can consistently throw for a strike or fool hitters with. And when you throw in some command issues on top of a lack of a third pitch, it's really led to some struggles the last two outings. Joel Ortega was fan-freaking-tastic this weekend. Had four hits on Sunday, a big old bomb, had a home run on Friday, SEC Player of the Week. And then finally, I think that you know Tennessee – I was not surprised that it was still, you know, you and I, we do D1 baseball. I have no clue what the other poll said, to be quite frank with you right now. But um, I, I was not surprised Tennessee was still the number one team in the country, but they did go two and two. Uh, you know, had a two-game losing skid, uh, but did pick up a series win, still atop the D1 baseball poll. Any surprise there from you and obviously the play of Jordan Ortega? or Jarrell Ortega. Not at all. Not at all. Uh, Tennessee should be ranked number one in the country. The, they're the best team in the country, and they didn't do anything to lose the number one ranking. As we tried to preach to the choir last week after Tennessee lost to Tennessee Tech, there's just not a lot of weight held in the college baseball world on teams losing midweek games because most everybody who follows college baseball knows how, how midweek games work. Teams get their pitchers ready for the weekend. College baseball it's all about winning series in conference play, and Tennessee beat a top 25 team in a series over the weekend. It doesn't matter that Alabama won Friday night. Tennessee won Saturday and Sunday to take the series. It's not about winning a game, winning a midweek game. It's about winning series, and Tennessee beat a top 25 team at home and did so thanks to Jarrell Ortega, who was the SEC Player of the Week. Tremendous from him, and in my opinion, it's time to start talking about him as one of the main catalysts in the lineup, like a Jordan Beck, like a Trey Lipscomb. He hits for power. He hits for contact. He gives competitive at-bats. His defense has really improved. Jarrell Ortega is really becoming one of Tennessee's better players, which is a great story because when he got here, had to have Tommy John, had to wait his turn, and he's making the most of it right now. Hey, last thing, man, there's a lot of new Tennessee baseball fans, and uh, that's awesome because this team deserves um, all the support it can. It's the best team in the country, and it has been for a while. Uh, aside from a bi-weekly Diamond Balls podcast that you and I host and your appearance here on uh, Lockdown Balls pretty much every week, uh, what else, what other content are you doing at VolQuest.com on this Tennessee baseball team throughout the week so people can start dialing in, taking in your work, and learning more about this team as it, it's about to hit stretch time here coming up? Yeah, speaking of Jarrell Ortega, wrote a story on him Sunday night following the series. That's up on VolQuest right now. There's also the 3-2-1 that we do every Monday has three observations 
two question marks going forward and a prediction kind of reassesses the, the weekend that just concluded and looks ahead to the upcoming weekend. Th those are our two weekly pieces. And then Eric does a great job of helping me cover the team uh, on Tuesday nights in the midweek. And then throughout the weekend, we've got the around the horn that we film after games, just giving our brief reaction uh, following the game, win or lose, and our, our game thread and, and commentary and just anything you can imagine, we've got you covered over at VaultQuest.com. Ben does an awesome job. Thanks, brother. Thanks, Eric. Now, that is Ben McKee. We'll call him a friend and a co-worker at VaultQuest.com. All right, that's going to do it here for Twitter Tuesday. Thanks so much for your participation, your comments, your questions, your concerns, diving into those DMs. Uh, we, had a, we had a whole lot of fun. Let's get that out there, words. We had a whole lot of fun answering uh, those questions and talking about it here earlier in the show. And Ben McKee with the latest of baseball. Tennessee will have a three-game set coming up this weekend in Gainesville. But, of course, it's in action with Bellarmine in the midweek here coming up later uh, tonight. Guys, appreciate it. Check out the Locked On NFL podcast. Uh, Locked on NFL draft, excuse me. It is just a couple of weeks away. Really, it's, it's next week, not this week. Next week when the NFL draft is happening, you'll learn about all the prospects, your team, with the direction they're trying to go, Ryan Tracy, Eric Crocker, all that and more. Locked on NFL draft podcast. Get that a listen, your second listen, right after Locked on Balls being your first listen each and every day. Guys, thanks so much. Really do appreciate it. You guys have a great rest of your Tuesday, and we will talk to you again tomorrow. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.